Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and this podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network. Go to batman-on-film.com for all the latest, greatest, spoilery, unspoileriest, no spoilers, uh, Batman news, and some of the greatest podcasts this side of Suicide Slums. Uh, I am joined today by the Gowdam Batman himself, our favorite Canadian Cape Crusader, Carlos. How the heck are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, excited to be here. It's my first podcast record in a little while, so uh, listeners will have to uh, forgive me if I got a bit of rust on me. But yeah, I was uh, honored to be asked to join and excited to be here, man. I I am very excited about these uh, these segments that we've been that I've been doing about uh, about Superman. You know, so it's Superman's 85th anniversary. I, I feel like DC is not making a huge deal about it, but I am because <laughs> Superman's <laughs> awesome. And you picked a um, uh, quote unquote, I guess, modern classic, uh, Tom King and Andy Kubert's uh, Up in the Sky, which was part of their uh, their Walmart line of books, uh, along with. Uh, Batman Universe that uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Nick Darrington did, I believe. Yeah. Uh, very so, kind of cool stories that are outside continuity. You know, I guess we call them Elseworlds, but are just quote unquote in continuity enough to be like, oh yeah, that's Superman, right? Um, so, how did you discover this one? Did you buy them at Walmart, or, or were they available in Canada? I guess I should ask. <laughs> Yeah, the Canadian rollout for these books was weird because initially we didn't get them and then they were packed in with like the old school value pack type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I ended up chasing them down when they when DC released them as digital um, books. Yep. So they did the digital chapters. I read them then and I very quickly fallen in love with this story and then when they did the print releases i bought the print versions of the book and um it's like such a special story and i loved it so much that uh my daughter was like a as big a superman fan as i am a batman fan when the hardcover came out i grabbed that for her and uh she learned very quickly why i love this story so much it's uh it hits the in the field as a parent doesn't it um I think you know, it's not I mean it's not Superman's kid, but it, it in a way it, it still has that feeling of like I do anything for my kid kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. And like for me, even when I did the reread for this show, like the um, the kind of MacGuffin or the the little girl who's at the center of this whole story, um, she doesn't look dissimilar to my own daughter, um, who's oh. a lot older than this girl now, but uh, with her being that person who has absolutely adored Superman, like since day one, really, um, yeah. for whatever reason, like there's uh, our house was at one point in time just exclusively Batman and Wonder Woman, but uh, she completed the Trinity, uh, for us and um. <laughs> Yeah, with that, it hit just that little bit harder too. Where, uh, yeah, like I said, she she looks like my kid, especially when she was that age. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was uh, it hits you in the feels and hit me in the feels a little bit more so even. So Tom King, I think, is a uh, he's such a unique writer, uh, and I told him this to his face. I've met him at Comic Con, and 
and told him that I felt like his writing was kind of an acquired taste. <laughs> hmm, um, interesting. <laughs> Bold. And, well, he, you know, I I was complimenting him and he took it as a compliment. And he I think he understood why I said that because the way he writes is it's so minimal, but it still feels like there's a lot of depth to it. Like he mm-hmm. really lets the artist do a lot of the heavy lifting. And I don't mean that in, in a, like a negative way. I mean that in a in a collaborative way that he uh, he seems to play to their strength and and also tell really compelling stories, very deceivingly simple, you know. But it's yeah. you know it, at, at the heart of this, it's Superman rescuing a little girl. But it's obviously much more than that because he has to travel across several galaxies. He doesn't have powers in some cases. Um, he has to do all uh, kind of like the 12 trials of Hercules in a sense, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's just one of those. Uh, it, so it's it just, it, it's something that could only have worked as this like 12 part uh, epic outside of continuity. Because if they had done this in continuity, I don't think it would have, it would have worked as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I to be honest, like I, I don't know when reading it, if I really, held on to it too hard one way or another with it being in or out of continuity. I mm-hmm. guess the biggest thing is the absence of John Kent, right? Right. Um, with it, but yeah, for, I, I don't know how much the continuity piece factored into it for me, but uh, there's like kind of two things that you said was that it being a modern classic and it mm-hmm. very much is. And then with King's style being, so simple and the story being so simple um you're bang on the money but with that he used that simple story as a mechanism to be able to tell this tale that every issue within it showcases one of these aspects of the fundamental core tenets of superman's character and the things that make him great type of thing and Mm -hmm. uh, you don't really get like a big powers showcase and whatnot but it's just everything uh hits so hard because it's like here's an issue about why life is so sacred to him here's an issue as to um his level of self-sacrifice in order to preserve the world that he loves here's an issue as to how his uh, parents um informed his moral core here's an issue about how he views the other heroes in the justice league like it it was just so well done and um yeah king just has this knack for being able to let those special things about the character carry the story and he just adds these little pieces to um, push the lore along and give you these really compelling stories, be it this or uh, something like Strange Adventure or Mr. Miracle. Like, they're, mm. it seems like every time he does one of these mini series, it's just a must have for your bookshelf. There, you know, he's, I think, him being a former CIA operative, he, he has kind of a different world, worldview, right? You know, where he gets the, uh, he's obviously not like he was like boots on the ground kind of, he's more of an analyst, uh, but he, but still having, he, how do I want to put this? Like he has a great sense of 
you know, the, the best and the worst of humanity, right? Yes. Yeah. And and I think that that's evident in the way he writes because it, it can be very simple, and but it's but I think it's a lot deeper than that. And I love you know like the, like the boxing issue, right? The idea that Superman won't go down, and and the guy he's fighting, I can't remember his name right now, but. You know, he keeps saying, you're, you got to fall. At some point, you got to fall. You're going to fall. And and he doesn't, doesn't fall. And and I, it's just, it's so, it's it's just so, like, crazy, like, Silver Age stuff, right? Like the Muhammad Ali Superman cover, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but it's just so, there's something about it that just feels, like, you know, I always love to say, like, there's an emotional reality to it. And and with Superman, it's like it's such even that is heightened because it's like I'm not gonna stop until I get this kid. And and that's enough for him to push through and to, you know, even something as simple as he's trying to make a phone call, you know. Yeah. And that that issue is hilarious too. And it's just like, like well, you called my name. It's like, oh, Superman with an E? Yes. He's like, oh, we did call your name. You know, like just silly relatable stuff but it's like in a intergalactic call center or something right you know Um, yeah well yeah and like what your point about um his history and the way he approaches material like he he very much just has his finger on the pulse as to the human condition and Mm -hmm. the things that motivate people and yeah his history as an analyst in the cia and um being you know in the eye of the storm of a few um, conflicts where he'd have to have that, where you have the actions of people and you have to do a bit of a, an ass- assessment as to whether or not there's a risk posed by them or if they're friend or foe or, or whatever uh, those kind mm-hmm. of wartime theaters bring. Right. So I think it's so cool that he brings that to his writing and um, it's always different. Like his, Batman and his Superman and his Adam Strange and his uh, Scott Free, they're all very different and rich characters. So, yeah, we're we're pretty lucky to have a guy like him writing comic books now for us to all enjoy. Um, I, I totally agree. Um, where I think his stuff reads really well in trade, mm-hmm. um, where because I think that it's all the little kind of like Grant Morrison a little bit, some of the subtler stuff can be like, Oh, okay. I, I see that, how that here led to this here. And um, like his Morrison's like RIP for Batman. Right. But like it started like way back in like Batman and son. And then like <laughs> um, all the way through to like Batman Inc. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because what I was thinking about while, while I was reading, rereading the story was um, how Grant Morrison and uh, Alan Moore have said that like they, they don't understand why people say Superman is hard to write for. It's like, well, Superman's going to go walk his dog. The difference is that he's walking his dog in the rings of Saturn, you know, mm-hmm. and he's going to have family come and visit, but they're coming from the future. It's still a story about a family coming to visit, you know, it's just that the circumstances are a little different. And I thought about this, you know, that like trying to make that intergalactic phone call, you know, yeah. it's like we, we, we all, we've all had those moments where, we're in a situation it's like you you know like whether you're at the deli or some sort of i don't know like a kind of or the dmv or something right you know and they, they call your name and like oh you know hold on 
I don't think we called your name. Like, well, that was my number. This is my number. I have it here. You know, like even like in Beetlejuice, right? You know, he's got the long ass number. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and with that issue, like the great thing about it was just that stress is so relatable, right? Like, yep. Um, I, I remember there being a few articles and a, a few of the outlets that always seem to clutch their pearls when it comes to stuff DC does, but um, because Lois Lane gets killed so many times as the book plays yeah. out and there's a lot of backlash about like oh you're fridging lois or whatever but it, it, no it just it's that anxiety and that fear and it's like you know your kid is like 10 minutes late coming out of school and you have all these visions of like mm-hmm. were they kidnapped did they get injured did somebody uh hit them with a car when they were trying to cross the street like those are the things but like you said because it's superman it's just on this heightened level yeah where lex luther is kidnapped her and she's been killed or there's robots that have attacked or um she gets kidnapped by bizarro or or whatever different uh scenarios he's envisioning because she's not picking up a phone call at the time he's expecting her to be able to pick up the phone call right and it ends up being something really mundane as to why she couldn't just work related but right um yeah it's it was a pretty special issue because it just it showcase just the anxiety of like a traveling partner would have looking out for the well-being of their or of their loved one and when it's superman and there's all these threats that could be posed to your loved one right um your anxiety is going to be that much higher it's it's such a you know and and i i know what you're saying about those outlets that that say that kind of stuff it just it, it annoys the crap out of me because it's like if the role you know, if, but if the story had been from Lois's point of view, Lois would be having those exact same thing. You know, mm-hmm. she'd be she'd be envisioning him just dead, flying in space, or you know, killed by Dark Side, killed by the Mongol, whatever. You know, um, turned evil by Dark Side, right? You know, something like that. It's so it just it's one of those things where I'm like, well, th- you're not you're you're taking this at at face value, just like kind of skimming through the, the book going, well, this is horrible what they're doing to Lois Lane. And objectively, sure, on the surface, it would look that way. But, you know, just read the fucking thing and you'll see that, it, you know, it's just him being nervous. And yeah. as, as a spouse would be, as a spouse should be, because otherwise, you know, he, you know, as much as he says he loves her, you know, he, of course he's going to worry about these things. Like, who wouldn't? Yeah, and it just gives a depth and a richness to these characters, right? And it's uh, it, it's such an understated aspect of um, what comic books can bring. And, you know, you can, you can have this laundry list of attributes about characters that you want them to have, but if there's mm-hmm. no nuance and text and point of reference and um gravitas to how these stories go about it's just you're just taking boxes right whereas something right. like this it's like yeah you have a couple in a loving relationship if it's just her kissing them goodbye at the end of that first issue or second issue yeah sure that's fine you tick the box but when you do something like this you make it real and you give it a richness that uh, other stories and other books just quite frankly don't bring you know so, something as simple as the the little girls in the beginning uh, it's like you know superman was is, is her favorite but it's my toy 
you know, and she kept taking my toy. And I just, I was like, you know, when I dropped my, my daughter off at, at her mom's house, she's like that with her stepsister. They're immediate, they're, she's so excited to see her. And then immediately going, that's mine. No, that's mine. And I'm just like, I'm like, you can have that. I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but, there, but again, that, that reality of, of kids just, you know, not even that, that kids don't share because, you know, kids learn and everything, but, uh, just a, a small thing like that just added the reality to me reading it going I, this is selling me on this this story and why and not just like and it's not a hubris thing why superman's gonna go save her it's like well if i'm her favorite then i should be the one to save her you know it, it's not like that at all it's very mm-hmm. much just she's in trouble she's alone out there and she need and she's she needs somebody to save her and I'm the only one that can do it. And there's something really like heroic and noble. And also just, and I like that everybody kind of encourages them, but at the same time, it's still a little bit like, like, you know, like Pa Kent is still a little bit like, well, you're, you're still needed here too. You know, yeah. so it, everybody understands the impossible decision, but everybody also understands that this is Clark Kent. He's gone. You know, somebody needs him. He's going to go. Well, and I love that it wasn't an automatic where he kind of entertains those arguments about and, and they actually showcase him saving all these people mm-hmm. on the planet earth after Batman has that initial conversation with him. Right. And yeah. um, with those little pieces that you were mentioning about, like the, the girls talking about that Superman doll and it kind of informing a bit of the story later on. Um, it, like what a great way to showcase and give these kids some, personality and some agency and then it makes it heartbreaking when the girl who's the uh, not the one who's the catalyst for the whole mission but the one who lets them know what happened um as you see her fate play out in the book Uh and batman gives them that phone call it just like your heart drops and that's that thing that pushes them over the edge right where it's like and it was just so cool that it's you know he's weighing the pros and cons and you see him kind of fighting against his um his first instinct which is to take off and go save her type of thing right and like in those first two issues like that's better storytelling than you get a good chunk of other places like that's for sure yeah uh it, it definitely made me think of uh superman the animated series um it there was I I felt a little bit of Tim Daly Clark in this, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of the, you know, the not that like the other versions aren't like this, but the I, I don't know, maybe it's just Andy Cooper's art is a little similar to Bruce Tim's in a sense, um, and it just kind of had that kind of fun epic scope when when they did like cosmic stories on there, they they weren't afraid to just draw the aliens as weird looking as possible, you know, <laughs> yeah. um. And it and it just and again it adds to the fun of the book and and then we can have like a fun chapter with like the boxing and um you know and and even like the the final battle that they have is, is really good but then you have this great kind of interlude where he's on apocalypse and Darkseid says I'll tell you what you need to know if you kill this guy you know yeah. he's he's dying anyway and and it's so. And I think that's that's another thing that Tom King excels at is putting our heroes in really morally dubious situations and helping them find their way out of it 
one way or another. And I think with Superman, it's it's almost like he gets to kind of Schrodinger's cat the situation, right? He's like, well, if I didn't do it, then I broke my word to you. If I did do it, I broke my word to myself. So either way, I lose. And Darkseid's like, well, that's acceptable to me. <laughs> like, yeah, I, no. I, I love that. And like, yeah, that's a great point that you make. And how every issue there is, like I said, it's one of those things that made Superman special. Like there's the one issue where you get to see the reason that there needs to be both Clark Kent and both super and Superman. Yes. Why one can't exist without the other. And then you get to have that really cool issue where all of a sudden Sergeant Rock shows up mm-hmm. and you get to see that heroic aspect of Superman that exists um, no matter what, even if he's totally powerless and the boxing issue is about how he never gives up. Right. And um, with him, with his moral code in that dark side issue that you mentioned, like it was great. And I love the fact that despite there being a pragmatic and common sense and arguable solution uh, for the quandary he was in with Darkseid, that it just tore him up. Like, and you you yep. saw how much he anguished over um, what he had to do, even though uh, the other character involved in that was like, "Dude, you're doing the right thing. Don't worry about it." Like, mm-hmm. it helps you, helps me. Like, let's get her done. Yeah, and and then that character comes back at the end of the story. So that was thought, yeah, I thought that was weird. That caught me off. I I forgot about that happening. So when yeah. I had the the reread, I was like, oh. I forgot about that. I don't know. I'd be curious. Like I've ever got a chance to ask Tom King, like why he decided to um, have that little piece specifically there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love to know the answer. There's, there's a lot I'd, I'd love to ask him because I feel like it's just, he, I feel like he leaves a lot to interpretation, but then other times it, it, it I don't know. Cause I feel like, for as great of a writer as he is, I feel like sometimes he's just, you know, I, I guess it's kind of how I see like Graham Morrison or Alan Moore's work sometimes. Just you're you're putting a lot of effort in and you're making us read between the lines. You're making us reread this. And I'm not saying any of it in a negative way, but it's also like, you know, sometimes, you know, it just, and again, not in a bad way, but frustrating. Like, tell me the answer, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, when it's like, well, there's, but there's also fun to be had in, our own thought process, right? Like, how do we interpret this this part of the story? Um, you know, I think about that, like with Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. There was there's a few bits in that where I was like, I wonder, like, what, why there's this shift here in with the character, but not like, you know, in other parts of the story. I don't know. And that's a whole other conversation, of course. But <laughs> yeah, no, and I do appreciate that. Like, the best writers make you think a little bit and and whatnot. And I'm with you though, like a part of me almost wishes that six months after a book comes out that you'd get a nice big long essay from the author <laughs> filling <laughs> in all those blanks and right. asking or uh, answering all those questions that uh, that you wanted answered but I, I think part of it too comes down to uh, from a couple of interviews I've read and listened to um, with King he gives his artists a lot of room to play with right and Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part and uh, maybe part of that too the blanks get filled in with reading into the art a little bit more and and whatnot sure yeah i you know it's it's funny you mentioned the the issue where like superman and clark kent are split 
one of my favorite aspects of that is that Superman's costume looks totally different. He looks more quote unquote Kryptonian, right? Yeah. Um and, and I, I love that little nod. It's something that enhances the story for me. And then even when he's on Earth with Sergeant Rock, or he's in the past, I should say, you know, he's he's Clark Kent the whole time. You know, he's got the glasses and everything. There was something about that. And and I was like laughing a little bit, going, you know what's funny? I really love the way Andy Kubert draws Clark Kent. Yeah. You know, like I mean, his Superman looks amazing, and like he's an amazing artist, but his Clark Kent just looks so like, I don't know, like there's something about him that's popping for me. And maybe it's maybe it's the glasses. I don't know. But I love that it this wasn't this was a Superman story through and through, but it wasn't a story um you know, we you know, I talked about Superman for all seasons not too long ago, where each of the mm-hmm. four chapters is some is somebody talking about him. And this was a little bit of both, right? Like some were he was narrating, some were another character was narrating. And it and like I said, it was very like the twelve trials of Hercules. I mean, that's obviously what his inspiration was, right? Of course, right? Oh, um, totally. Yeah. Like if you're to get the prize to get the girl in this sense you have to go through all this insanity first <laughs> um and it's amazing yeah no totally when you just you brought up Kubert's art what did you think of the art in the book i i loved it um because i just think he has this i guess kind of like bruce tim like i was saying where he has this kind of simpleness to it and it looks comic booky but it just it just pops and it just is it's fun to look at like any page, you know, could be a poster on my wall. You know, uh, Ryan Lauer from the Batman book club always says that he, when he picks a favorite panel, it's one that he could have as a poster on his wall. And yeah. I'm like, well, with Andy Cooper, like, you know, you, you have dozens of panels to choose from. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's like, you know, when he needs to, he'll use a bit of exaggeration with how he portrays the characters. And so, like, honestly, this whole book, there's like, maybe four panels that I thought were like a, a little weird. And they were all like forced perspective upward. Sure. It's yeah. like he's catching the under the chin. And I was like, Oh, that's came together a little weird with how the, the jawline lines up with the years and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But outside of those, like God, like every page, every panel almost feels like it could be a splash page in its own right. Even yep dumb ones of like Superman eating a hamburger. It's like, that is a cool picture. Like the way yeah. he's put it together and whatnot. Like, Oh, right. I would love to own a page of the art from this book. That's for sure. No, I, I hundred percent agree with you there. And I think what, what works is an artist like Kubert who, you know, is, he has very, because when you're the artist, you, you, you have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. You have to be like the actor, right? So the emotions have to come through. And I think like him in the, the ridiculous, you know, boxing shorts, you know, and Superman just looking super pissed off. And then him just looking super annoyed trying to get the phone call. And him looking scared next to Sergeant Rock. It it all came across very, very well and and reads almost like a storyboard to the uh, a Superman movie that we haven't seen yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just I'm just flipping through it, going, man, like this is this is so dynamic, and like I can't wait to turn the page. You know, I'm not even finished reading this one. I want to see next the next one. You know, <laughs> totally. And there was just like some epicness to 
to how this book came together and how he uh how he brought these characters to life like even just as you were talking and gushing about the art i was flipping through and mm. like the pages with the race with the flash it's like yes there's some of the coolest images of the flash you will ever see yep and it, it's and you know i mean going back to like like flashpoint i've always loved how cooper drew the flash um but something something like that where i don't think superman talks in that entire chapter you know because uh, no, it's just from like the because she's telling the story as right watching it kind of and that was a cute story too like how she's like ah we didn't we couldn't afford to watch it but it was around everywhere so we watched it through the window with the people who had yeah. whatever pay-per-view <laughs> it's it's interesting um have you seen uh the boys yes okay so like in the first season when they have i forget the other guy's name but the, the race between a train and the other guy and it was okay. like and it was yeah, they, orange guy or whatever right right and and there was it was this huge event and it was over in like a second (laughs) you know and i was just like i was like man that's kind of how this would be isn't it like they they would have to and i think superman and flash would both kind of slow themselves down just for the fun of it um but like i don't know like it's it's but it's also one of those just like king wanting to do you know, if this is the only time I get to do Superman, I'm going to do the greatest hits of Superman. So I'm going to do yep. a boxing issue. I'm going to do an issue where they split up, you know, and I'm going to do an issue where he races the Flash, you know, and I'm going to do an issue where uh, he has to fight an entire alien armada, you know, and it's just so, like, you know, almost like bucket listy, right? It's like, well, I'm going to do all these things in here. Like, I remember reading an interview with Jeff Loeb years and years ago when he and Jim Lee did Hush and he just straight up was like, you know, a lot of the story came from the fact that I just want to see Jim Lee draw Superman. I want to see him draw Nightwing. So that's why I wrote some of those chapters and I was like, who could blame you? <laughs> yeah, no. And that worked. <laughs> that uh, paid off in spades because yeah, that book has more glorious panels than any other, I think. But Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think what's great about, you know, and and I almost forgot about the Flash issue, but it's it's such a, a fun story that, you know, it's, again, it, it gets, you know, it, it was in the animated series, right? There was a, a Flash versus Superman race, and mm-hmm. it's in, um, you know, at the end of the theatrical Justice League, um, you know, it it's it's like a rite of passage. It's like, if you're going to write Wolverine, at some point, he's going to go to Japan. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to write Superman, at some point, he's going to race the Flash, uh, or vice versa. And, uh and I just thought that was such a, you know, but but having it be from her point of view and what she remembers of it, and telling Lex and talking about Lex Luthor and, um, and it just was, I was like, man, like this just sounds like when we were kids playing with our toys, you know, going and then you know and then Superman kind of staggered a little bit and Flash got ahead, but Superman knew he needed to win so that the charity could get all that money, you know, just like, but then there's kind of the the dark twist of it where you know Clark doesn't tell the Flash right he doesn't just like stop him and go hey like I actually have to win because Lex Luthor's doing this shit he's yeah. just he's like no I'm gonna beat him fair and square um another kind of weird moral dilemma that he put in um because you figure like Flash would definitely be like oh yeah I'll lose um yeah. but uh I mean maybe not Bart Allen but you know <laughs> <laughs> uh but Barry and Wally probably would um but you know, it, it's stuff like that that it showcases just how 
determined Superman is and how she is convinced that Superman is going to save her because he did that. He beat the fastest man alive. He's, he's going to come save me. And it just feels so like, how does your heart not like just, you know, kind of pump a little bit faster? Like, go, Superman, go, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and it just, it, that issue did such a great job of showcasing the power of hope. And she really had no reason to hope that that would be the outcome of her predicament that Superman would save her. But um, it was the hope that she had to hold on to. Right. And yep. that was her example as to why. And it, it's like one thing to say that, you know, the East represents hope and this and that, but um, when you show that hope um, in the faces of, the people around him and the community and everything else, which is what this book did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it real, right? And it's not just, yep. you're not just tech, ticking a box like I was talking about earlier. Um, you make it tangible and it becomes a part of your story and part of why you're rooting for your hero. Yeah. And and I think what's what's great about Superman is, you know, and, and again, going back to sort of the frustration of, you know, people don't know how to write him or whatever. I, I find that just to be silly because it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with a nice guy just wanting to do nice things for people. And again, it's a, it's a simple enough idea. And, you know, how is this different from like a a detective novel where the girl has been missing for more than 48 hours and we all know that's like, or 24 hours, whatever it is, that's the limit. Once we reach that, you'll probably never find her. Yeah. Um, and that detective, oh, you know, I got three days left on the fourth. I'm finding this one, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so it's that kind of story that we can tell with Superman, and you can dress it up and have time travel, have you know, uh, uh, all the other superheroes have this ridiculous alien armada that he he defeats simply just by being stubborn, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's it's great. It it what makes Superman that much it's so much fun to read. And when great writers can tap into that, it's like oh, finally somebody gets it. It it doesn't have to be this complicated. Well, he's so powerful. How do you tell stories? It's like tell a story. Like what story would you tell with with normal people? And then just dress it up a little bit, and you're good to go. You know, I mean, obviously yeah. it's a little bit harder than that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, like I think folks get way too stuck on just the having something challenge his power set kind of thing, right? But mm-hmm. um, in the world we live in, the like the the fact that he is a morally centered and in it, uncorruptible force is almost another weakness that you can play at, right? Because yep. that's um, that's not the way that our world is wired to have show people have success kind of thing. So right. yeah, no, there it's such a rich character and like great writers have been telling wonderful stories with him for 85 years. Mm-hmm. There's that's just an excuse that Hollywood has for, um, you know, not, not understanding the material, I guess, as to why they haven't been able to tap into it or where that weary, these two powerful conversation comes in. It's just like, well, I don't know. I, I don't hear you complaining about 
Captain Marvel being too powerful or Thor being too powerful or any of these other characters being difficult, right? Like Doctor Strange, like he can do little twirly cues with his hands and have anything happen. Now is he not too powerful to right? It just all depends on um who's at the who's at the keyboard crafting the tale and how they understand the characters and um the interesting things they want to do with them. Yeah, and that's that's a good way to put it too, you know. And uh and and I I think about that like with Captain Marvel, especially when I was watching Avengers Endgame and I was like I was like I was like, is this too much? <laughs> you know, like uh but it's like I guess, you know, we gotta Somebody's got to be there to save the day, so that's cool. Whatever. But, I mean, it's a whole conversation. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, w- one thing that that King does that I-, I feel like he does a lot, and I wish he would do less, is when he has characters that just say the same thing over and over again. I think in a lot of yeah. cases it works, in other cases, like you know, when I'm talking about him being an acquired taste, I, I kind of I dropped Batman for a while when he was writing it because the either the I Am Bane or I Am Suicide arc when Batman's traveling through you know, the sewers of Santa Prisca or whatever, and he says, you know, Bane, when I find you, if you haven't released the hostages, I will break you, or whatever he says. Yeah. He says it literally every page, sometimes more than once. And I just was reading it going, I will give Tom King $100 to have Batman say literally anything else right now. <laughs> yeah, just, those, uh, those couple of issues really shook people's faith in that run. It it was it, it it bugged me, and I haven't revisited it. I've read a lot a lot of the other stuff, like the War of Jokes and Riddles. I love that, mm-hmm. um, and even like City of Bane. I loved all that, um, but uh, but in this story, I I I didn't find it grating when you know the the alien warlord. I forget his name. You know that had kidnapped the girl. He has kind of a weird name, like a <laughs> felt like a Rick and Morty kind of name, like Slimbar or something like that. You know? Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, and he's the he's like you know you know you know all about that's unbreakable. You know what unbreakable means, don't you? And he breaks the thing apart. He says, "No, sir, I don't." You know, it's like the our forces are killing your heroes. You know, uh, don't you know that? He's like, "No, sir, I don't." And he's like, you'll never save the little girl. She's not worth it. And he's like, "Yes, sir, she is." And it just every time he said it, I just it's like I just got more and more excited going. I can't wait for Superman to just clean this guy's clock, you know? <laughs> just, yes. Because yeah. it's just, I don't know, when when it was like him doing it with Batman, it just it just felt weird and out of place to me. And maybe if I revisit it after all these years, I'll go, okay, I guess it's not that bad. But in this story, it just, and maybe it's because it was shorter, I just, I was all about it. I was like, yes. Like, he is just, like, you know, the, the nicest guy in the universe, but also a badass if we really let him be and it's not impossible to think that he would be a badass right well yeah and i think that was part of why it worked right was because you've spent like the 10 9 or 10 issues before that talking about how great a guy he is and how unflappable he is mm-hmm. and then you have this warlord who's berating him and trying to get under his skin and basically um playing all those chords that would have anybody else become unhinged and start swearing and um, threatening and all this other kind of stuff. But he Mm -hmm. maintains a level of respect with the yes sirs, no sirs. Yeah. But um, while he's doing that, he's also 
dismantling this guy's armada almost single-handedly. And and I love showing like the Justice League being attacked on Earth and and their faith in him. Where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, they're, they're stopped, they stopped, they're retreating. And Batman's just like, that's Superman. You know, he did yeah. it. And it just, you know, it the, the reverence and respect that they all have for him was so cool. Yeah, no, it was it was awesome. That was such a great moment where it's like all Earth's heroes are laid flat. And then when the attack ends, they automatically just kind of default to, oh, yeah, that was Clark that took care of that. Yep, yep. Um, the you know, I think it was only the one panel, but it's such a a funny bit is seeing Superman, Wonder Woman, and uh, and Batman eating takeout, right? Like having burgers, you know? Yeah, when he's Probably. talking about just their friendship or whatever, and yeah. that was his point of reference. Yeah, it just, it was so, like, it's just, it's kind of cute seeing Superman, like, float, sitting Indian style, you know, with, with his burger and shake in his hand, and, and they're all just like, and I was like, it's this kind of stuff that, like, um, Brad uh, Metzler was doing on his Justice League run. Uh, like way back when that I really liked. I like I like the the heroes being kind of normal people and just having like regular conversations. And totally. you know, it, it's cool to see them like you know beating alien armadas and you know being you know stuck on an alien world where they're split in half and there's no hope or whatever. <laughs> um, but it, it's also but having just a little bit too. It, it, it's so. It's so fun and going, and there is a little bit of like, a, like, a, like on celebrity Instagrams or, or uh, Twitters or whatever, and going, oh, they're just like me, kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I I totally agree, man. I totally agree. There, there's just so many things that were done in this book where they humanize the characters and link them to. Mm-hmm to you as the reader and give you an avenue to put yourself in their shoes right yeah um be superman or lois like you like they're when they'd have those flashbacks to them grinding and trying to get work done and whatnot and dealing with the demands of perry and yeah like the burger scene and whatnot like it was just it was just cool it it's uh and again that's that feels like uh like tom king you know like having seen the action and everything in, you know, in, in, you know, uh, all these different conflicts, as you were saying before, felt like, yeah, but like, these are also real men and women that put their lives on the line and are going to go back and they're going to, they're going to crack jokes. They're going to cook food. They're going to like talk about like how they miss their wives or husbands or whatever, whatever. Um, And where it's like, you know, it's, it's very easy to think of these characters or think of let's well keeping it real for a second. Think of like the men and women in armed services. Thinking of them as as like oh thank you for your service you you're you're a hero, but it's also like but they're still people and they and they're just as fragile as the next person. They just happen to be a little bit braver and a little bit stronger than maybe you or I would have been in that situation. Who knows? You know that's why I never enlisted. You know, <laughs> but um, it's uh. And I think King kind of molds that into his superhero stories, right? Where it's like they're they're going to be heroic and they're going to do heroic things, but they're also going to be people dealing with normal problems. You know, like I miss my wife. You know, I, you know, I miss my friends. Um, 
you know, I have to win this race, you know, just yeah, no, he, that, that are normal. Yeah. He, that's, that's where he finds those vulnerabilities to the character and makes the story compelling. And yeah, like you said, you get those identifying things and gives you as a reader, an avenue behind his eyes kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let, let me, let me ask you. Um, so I'm asking pretty much everybody this, uh, of all Superman media, do you have a favorite S Shield? Uh yeah. Um probably just kind of that square classic S Shield from the nineties that they brought back um in the rebirth era. Mm-hmm. Where it's got kind of the, the rounder ball at the end and then the yeah. square the square tip. Um that's one I love and I love when they stick it on the front and back of the costume so where he has it on the front and then he has like the full yellow on the cape, um, S yeah. on the cape with the yep. outline on it that's my favorite one that's that's a good one um i usually go with uh i love kingdom come uh mm-hmm. just the simplicity of that but i also kind of like in the uh dc uh league of super pets how like the s was a part of the shield kind of had kind of a cool look to it um, oh, okay. Because I remember like watching the movie going, why does the S look weird? <laughs> like, like stared at some like posters and stuff going, oh, I see. They just, you know, they didn't do like the, the tip at the end, right? It's like it's, the whole thing is the S. I'm like, oh, kind of interesting. Like, weird looking. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, with James Gunn's movie coming out in a couple years, uh, Superman Legacy, what are you. What are you hoping to see in terms of, just, you know, maybe something we haven't seen in a Superman movie before? Because we've had great Superman TV shows, but the movies have kind of been lacking a lot. And, you know, I, I kind of joke it's similar to like the Ninja Turtles. It's like there's tons of movies, but there's only like a, a couple of good ones, you know? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I'd like it to play on a lot of the same things that made this story successful, right? Where I think... They really need to, and especially coming off the last take, um, they really need to play up the fact that Superman loves humanity. And Mm. he is somebody who, um, you can say that he sees the good in everybody, but you really have to show that. And you have to show that he sees the value in all life and that um, he values peace and harmony. And that's kind of what he strives for. And, uh, um, like I married into a farming family and those are kind of the values and, um, the things that are very real in that community. And mm-hmm. so you have your gateway to that by just kind of playing up the, the Kents and the Clark Kent aspect of that. Right. And, yep. um, with that being real and genuine and then it being just elevated when he's Superman. Mm-hmm. where um, you have those things. And like the, the reason we did a good job of it where like Clark was always good and pure and noble and, um, you know, he, he came off as a bit um, naive. But I, I think that's cool. Like, I, and I think mm-hmm. um, when you play him a, a touch naive, that gives you an opportunity to give Lois a bit of agency, right? And yeah, um, I, I always like 
my Lois, which is kind of how they have it on the TV show right now, where she's maybe a touch older than Clark is and yep. has a way better grasp on um, uh, the world works and some of the um, unfortunate realities as to how people do business type of thing. So right. um, it, it gives her a dynamic and gives her uh, a greater toolbox from which to contribute to the team so yeah that, those are the things that i hope and like the the punchy super heroic stuff like that just comes like it's a superman story it'll that'll come necessary like naturally but yeah the the heart and the character parts are the things that you i think you have to put more work into i i definitely agree with all that um and and i like the idea of lois kind of being a little world world weary and Superman sort of restores her faith in humanity, but she mm -hmm. still has a little bit of that cynicism. Um, but I think, I, you know, I love the idea of Superman being such a positive influence in people's lives, you know, and some of the better Superman stories have done that. Um, and I, I think in, in this story does it where we get to see Superman just be heroic and be awesome, but he's not being boastful. He's not being, arrogant he's not even being he's not even showing off like when he's doing these amazing things you're not showing off you know it's not like well yeah i can do this he's just doing it because it needs to be done and yeah. that's like crazy humble for the most powerful being in the universe right <laughs> yeah no i agree i agree and um yeah they, that, that's another thing that they did <laughs> like he had a bit of humility and he was a bit humble like there's couple times in the issues where he was like almost embarrassed as that the people of planet earth call him superman type of thing yeah yeah that's the name that he had to use which i thought was uh, a, a neat little twist that they had added to those stories yeah it's it's funny because i've been watching um the dc superhero girls with my daughter uh mm -hmm. we, we just watched the the teen titans go dc superhero girls crossover movie and i love that Kara even has that moment with with Clark, where she says, "The little it is a little kind of obnoxious that we call ourselves Superman and Supergirl." <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, well, to be fair, you know, that little thing was given to them, but <laughs> you know, uh, but that's all good." But I think uh, uh, it's, but you know, I, I you know, like you said, uh, the idea of him being a little bit embarrassed by it, him just being kind of like, you know, just like, you know. Like, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a regular guy. I put my pants on one leg at a time. Except when I put my pants on, I make gold-plated records, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> God, that's like a, li a little bit of that. Because, you know, you, you figure that, and I love that, you know, the the ending, the, the last chapter. It's so it's so beautiful. Just, I'll answer any question you have. And, and you know, you, ha you have kids. You know what it's like when they just, you know, they're going to, if you say you can ask any question, they will ask literally every question they can think of and mm -hmm. <laughs> and i love that he just was patient and answered every single one of them and he, but i also love that he was very honest and direct with her he said is it going to be scary but yeah is it going to be dangerous yeah are you going to keep me safe yeah you know and i just like teared up a little bit i'm like that's so sweet that he's just you know he's he's not taking what he could do for granted he's like it's going to be scary but i'm going to be here with you the entire time um and it almost would have played better if it had been his kid, you know, but I think it's, it's sweet that it wasn't. And, and that's how far he'd go to protect anybody in the world, you know? 
yeah exactly and that just the value of of human life and stuff and yeah i i love when she's like oh who would win in a fight between you and batman he's like batman she's like what how it's like ah oh, because it would mean a lot to him yeah <laughs> um that that i thought uh you know it's like i feel like that's tom king you know just his commentary on the dark knight returns a little bit <laughs> yeah the dark knight returns and maybe the fandom right the, the being being one of the leaders of batman fandom i can certainly attest that uh it can get a little crazy sometimes uh yeah (laughs) um and i I, i've loved having not arguments but like (laughs) little like tips with people sometimes it's like oh batman could do so much more with his money i'm like i don't know how to break it to you man but batman doesn't real like (laughs) so it doesn't really matter you know (laughs) yes yeah you could do a lot more but it makes really boring comic books yeah and and same with uh same with when we talk about like the batman versus superman fights right it's like well sure like realistically superman would mack him into the pavement in a second and he'd be dead but that's not interesting you know i want to see how this quote-unquote normal guy as normal as batman can be i guess you know would win in a fight um or if superman were to fight him how you know how he would try to outsmart him you know just stuff like that that I think is interesting and I think people kind of miss the point and again like another Grant Morrison quote where he says um, uh, he's like you know adults get so weird with comic books they're like well you know what kind of oil does the bat does the does the Batmobile take you know and uh, how, how does you know how does Superman uh, control his gravity the way he does when a kid reads the comic book they're just like oh cool the Batmobile you know yeah. <laughs> like, the like, kids understand it's made up but for whatever reason when you turn like 16 that becomes something you can't wrap your head around um and unfortunately a lot of fiction is that way anyway (laughs) um but hey you know it's uh this is what we've chosen we've (laughs) sunk a lot of money and time into these things so i think we have a right to talk about it a little bit but also to acknowledge the ridiculousness of it (laughs) yeah there's a healthy healthy level of debate and one that just becomes uh, problematic, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, so one final question. Uh, if you, you know, we're talking to James Gunn and you got to pick the villain for the next Superman movie, you know, any villain you want, who would you want to see? Hmm. That's a hard one. Um, uh, to be honest, I'd probably go with somebody like a Lobo or a Metallo. Mm. And the reason for that would just be so that you don't have to have kind of world shattering stakes. Yeah. Um, the conflict can be a lot smaller and more intimate, but it just gives you a load of time to just explore Superman, build out his world, build out his character, build out his personality. Um, hit on all those important aspects. Mm-hmm. And then once you have people fall in love with your character, um, that's when you roll out your brainiac and, um, you know, your war world or whatever else you want to do with it. But um, I think to start out, you need just a smaller, more intimate villain, maybe even a parasite. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Or, or, you know, if you look at uh, Jeff John's um, Secret Origin, I guess, is what the, the Superman rebirth, quote unquote, uh, was where you just had 
Parasite and Metallo tied to Luther Corp, right? So you can yep. hammer out three villains extremely fast, but you know their origins are so simple because they're tied to Luther Corp or Lex Corp. Sorry, um, you can run through it, yeah, as fast as you want, and off you go. Well, I think uh, I, I would love to see Metallo. Um, and my fan choice for Metallo has always been Bradley Cooper. I think uh, I think he'd be oh, good. Oh, that's a that good role. one. Yeah, um, that's a that's a really good one. And and maybe we will get to see Momoa as uh, as Lobo one of these days. <laughs> so um, yeah, he, he'll have to be something. I'm I'm curious to see what happens with that Aquaman movie and uh, where they take things after the fact. But um, I I don't know. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like watching some of these things now, going like I don't know because. Uh, you know, we talked off mic about, uh, you know, I really, I got what I wanted out of Black Adam and Shazam. and But I'm also really bummed that that's probably the last time we're going to see these characters for a good long while. Um, yeah. for, for better or for worse. But I think, I, I, I'd like to think that we're in good hands with James Gunn as a Superman fan. Because I think, at, at the very least, he's really great at injecting a lot of heart into these stories. Like I went to the Suicide Squad, not realizing that I was going to be watching my new favorite DC movie. You know, I mean, oh yeah, outside of Batman at least. <laughs> oh man, like yeah, no, the Suicide Squad is something special. Like that movie is, oh, Chef's Kiss, it's awesome. Yeah, and and the fact that Peacemaker worked, like I was just like, I I the joke I would make is like I never understand Warner Brothers thinking. It's like, well, it took us ten years, you know, more than ten years. It took us like twenty years to make a Flash movie, you know, but. Uh, we'll go ahead and green light that Joker origin story. And you got 80 episodes of Peacemaker already written. Let's just green light it. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on with their brain? But I mean, sometimes yeah. it pays off. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful mess. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. And hopefully it'll just be a little bit tidier now with James Gunn and Peter Safran. So, uh, yeah, well, and you know what? There's something to be said for having the art of these things exist. and you know, it, sometimes you get projects that everybody adores and that work really, really well, like Joker. And like, uh, I'm not a big BVS fan, but at the same time, there's an artistry and a level of filmmaking to that movie that is frankly absent in the MCU, right? And I don't, yep. I don't even like the movie, but it's just like <laughs> you can, you can, like, you respect the craft. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um. Yeah, I for as much crap as DC gets, like they, they do, uh, they are a proper movie studio still, at least for now. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens, and I'm excited to see what it looks like with gun stewardship. Uh, so, so am I, and I think uh, Superman is is long overdue for a a proper adventure story, you know, <laughs> um, and because that's. I feel like we've been missing a little bit of that. Like this story up in the sky is just such a, it's such a, it's an adventure, right? You know, he's traveling through space and he's just, and we're getting these flashbacks. We're getting these like imagined scenarios. We're getting a lot in a relatively short amount of time, which is, you know, some, when some of the best comic book movies can do that, when they can throw a lot of information at you in a two hour period, it's pretty it's pretty awesome you know uh but it's just 
I don't know, you know, nowadays like they're kind of pumped, like, you know, Marvel movies are kind of pumped out <laughs> like crazy. And, and I'm glad that I, I think it was Bob Iger from Disney who said something along the lines of like, Hey, we're going to kind of take a step back a little bit here. I'm like, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I'm, I'm actually kind of excited that next year, all we get is a Joker movie that seems to be born from a, a position where Todd Phillips was inspired to to make a certain kind of movie, and the fact that it's a musical speaks to some of that inspiration and the involvement of Gaga. Um, it, it seems like a, a wonderful creative enterprise, and so we'll have that, and we'll have the Penguin show, and that might be it, but I think that might be a blessing in disguise that that's all that we get. Yeah. Um, a, a, uh, it would be, and this year would be 85 years of Batman, and two of his biggest enemies are the ones that have the content coming out. Say <laughs> ah, <c> la vie. <laughs> um, so this has been such a blast. I'm glad we got to uh, we got to talk about this story, and I'm glad that I learned how to do math and I made the schedule work this time. So I apologize for that the other day. <laughs> oh, uh, that's fine. Time zones are uh, time zones can be a cruel mistress. Um, I I was like because I got home and I was like okay, so we're gonna be doing this thing at what time? <laughs> like. And I was like, all right, we need to reschedule. And you're like, oh, yeah, no problem. So thank you for that. Um, I promise to be a little bit better with math next time. Numbers are hard. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. No worries. Um, so, Carlos, if people are uh, traversing the galaxy out there trying to find you, where can they find you? You know what? For now, it's just uh, Twitter. You can find me uh, CDN Cape Crusade R. Uh, Canadian Cape Crusader is uh, what it goes by, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my spot. Um, as you know, I have Mike. We'll travel, so I'm uh, unrestricted free agent of uh, podcasting right now, but uh, unaffiliated. And uh, yeah, just like hanging out with yourself or some of the other awesome friends we made uh, in this space and uh, via those tweet streets. So yeah, you can for now. That's uh, that's my spot and. I'm always happy to talk this nerdy stuff. And uh, the, the people that randomly DM me now um, just with comic book takes and asking my opinions and stuff, I love you. I think that's awesome. So nice. <laughs> the, the door is open and yeah, we can uh, we can chat all the geeky goodness uh, one wants. So yeah, <laughs> hit me up. Uh, that's that's awesome. Um, and, uh, and and same to you. I've, I've loved uh, like meeting you and uh, a lot of our other friends and just and feeling like, oh, well, there's this there's this nice community that we have where, you know, we get to, you know, get together in these like weird, some, somewhat intimate ways. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, get to talk the stuff that we love to talk about. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about, really. You know, um, yeah, it's neat. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, I, I think if you and I or like some of the other friends, like just ended up in the same town and we're going for a beer it wouldn't be weird it'd be like meeting up with your university buddies that you just haven't seen for yeah or whatever right like, right yeah yeah it's kind of cool yeah yeah for sure um as for me you can find me on twitter uh, at four comic junkies uh, also instagram uh sometimes facebook don't really do much over there though should probably rebrand rebrand a little bit that'd be fun uh and uh you can also follow me um, 
at uh, at Spider-Man Books and the Spider-Man Book Club, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Carlos has been on a couple times over there. Uh, we've had great conversations that uh, ended up being hijacked by his love of Flash Thompson. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. uh, it, was a ton of, it was still a ton of fun. Love those conversations. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, you know, uh, get the get the word out. Write a review. Put those buds in the ears. And uh, for all you folks out there, we just want to remind you, Superman's main is his tagline. You know, the, the look up in the sky. You know, it, it's such a beautiful thing. Like, look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Like, I don't know what fucking birds or planes you've been looking at. I don't know, nothing like Superman. <laughs> but you know, he's pretty fast. I guess maybe you'd be confused. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's, you know, it's time for bed. All right. You all you, get out of here. You know, go, go kiss your mother.